With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of Heard Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. What up? Welcome in. This is... The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be making this part of your day. Thanks so much. I'm Doug Gottlieb in for Colin Cowherd, who um, I think he's in Iceland. Hmm. Maybe we'll get a Herline news from Iceland. That's what we'll do. we got a great show for you today, as uh, it is obviously Memorial Day. Uh, maybe most interestingly, it's a day in which... We not only honor people that have given the ultimate sacrifice, uh, but it's going to culminate in what I think most of us think is going to end up being a historic, I don't know, comeback or collapse, right? And it's both. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the debate shows, but was it a comeback or was it a collapse? Now, the Celtics have to win one more game. Let, let's, let's first work our way back through game six before we get to game seven weird game which the Celtics led virtually the entire game up until a late game run basically Jimmy Butler started getting to the free throw line and you know the Celtics nearly had their own in-game collapse keep in mind the Celtics could not buy a three-point shot I mean couldn't throw one in the absolute ocean right couldn't throw one in the ocean but um and then Jimmy Butler, and it looked like he, and, and I understand the rule for double dribble, but it did look like he traveled because you can lose a ball, but when you pick it up and then you lose it and you take two steps, by definition, that's a, that's a travel. Nonetheless, a dumb foul by Al Horford. Butler makes all three free throws. They did reset the clock to three seconds, which seemed a little bit generous, although like when the last two minutes report came out uh, yesterday, it, it mentioned nothing about, it said they got the timing right. So it must have been, you know, an early start to when they when the ball came in bounds, they must have timed it out and figured that's what it was. I thought it was a little early, but in a crazy sequence of events, the Celtics get a last second shot. Marcus Smart misses around and out. Like there, there are several things that are not discussed because Derek White's the hero. Not discussed is 
It wasn't like Marcus Smart missed bad. That thing was up, in and out. Uh, if it came to the other side of the hoop, Jason Tatum was right there, jumping, seemed to time it out, so they could have gotten a tip dunk or another sort of finish. But they didn't. And Derek White, who was taking the ball inbounds, throws it in. And uh, his man loses him. And he ends up cutting to the basket and getting a tip-in finish. And, like, look, it's a, I don't know if you want to go Derek Wittenberg, NC State. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but I believe in elimination games, this is only the second buzzer-beating shot in an elimination game to be made, to win a game. Have you guys seen that? The other one, obviously, is Michael Jeffrey Jordan, which... Uh, let me let me start by saying this. If you've spent a holiday weekend tweeting stats or game videos or an opinion about Jordan or LeBron being the GOAT because of whatever, when neither are playing, as somebody who loves basketball, who idolized and watched Michael Jordan, who's I, I've actually the start of my national media career really at least in radio, culminated with the 2003 NBA draft. So I've seen the the whole thing for LeBron James. If you're tweeting about, well, LeBron's the GOAT because, Jordan's the GOAT because, and neither are playing, you got to find a hobby. And this ain't it. All right, let's get to the actual, actually what happened. I mean, it's, I mean, it was amazing. That was an incredible game, an incredible atmosphere. Did, Did you, Jay Stu, my producer alongside, did you see the video of the wedding party that thought the game was over? Like, I, literally, I couldn't stop had, watching it. I couldn't they, they stop had, watching it. They have a Miami Heat flag. I did not know anybody had a Miami Heat flag. Doug, you, you've been you've been married, and yes. and you've been to married marriages. You've been in in weddings. Um, how do you think the bride and the bride's mom felt about somebody saying we're going to bring a Miami Heat flag to the reception? I don't know the level of fandom. I just didn't like. I rem- I do remember that when LeBron decided to play for the Heat, right? They famously showed a sports bar in South Beach, and there was like five people in there cheering, right? Um, and and this is these are the Miami Heat fans that famously left the arena game six against the Spurs. And you have a couple interviews of going, man, it was a great year. They didn't even know that they came back. Ray Allen hit the shot, and they won the game. But that was one of the most amazing videos ever. And I was actually at a bar. I was at a the OC Tavern. I'll give him a shout-out in San Clemente, California. My daughter's uh, rock band from Los Rios School of Music, whatever, they're up there rocking. She's playing Tool and Corn. Uh, and I popped out because I'm watching the game on my phone. I'm like, I got to watch the end of this. And... It was a little confusing because the score bu- the score bug didn't change, right? The score bug is where the score is, right? Even after the even after the re- re- the refs went back and reviewed it, but I saw it firsthand. I was like, "That's in, that's in," and yet people are going crazy. But the video, if you haven't seen it, you can Google, right? Go to Google and Google it, and you'll be like, "I can't." So who is the guy? They didn't have the video of somebody telling them. That's the video that's missing. Is there a video, Jay Stu, that exists of somebody telling them, like, uh, hey, guys, um, actually the shot counted, and they lost, and now they got to I did not see that. It literally cuts off at the point where somebody probably figured it out. 
It was that was a remarkable thing. Here's Derek White on TNT after the game. They don't do no good to, to stand in the corner there, <laughs> whether he makes it or not. Uh, so I just was crashing the glass, and it, it came right to me. But yeah, it's gonna be a little crazy. My phone's already blowing up, but get home tomorrow, play with Hendricks. I'm sure he won't look at me any differently, so that would be cool. Hendricks obviously is his son. Here's Jason Tatum on the wild finish. That felt like the longest 10 seconds ever waiting for confirmation if he made it or not. I'm still like in disbelief. That's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad we got another chance, another opportunity. Just the, uh, the grit that we showed to get to this moment. I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be on this team. And uh, I've never... I've never been so excited to go back to Boston in my life. And I cannot wait to see all the fans on Monday because it's going to be fun. Remember, J Jason Tatum last game seven, which was last series, he had 50. And uh, he played well, but they, they did not shoot the three well. Jalen Brown, who's been up and down, hasn't shot the ball well in the series. Uh, he summed up the series this way. It don't get too much worse than being down 0-3. Like, we feel like we've been to hell and back. We feel like we can face any adversity that gets thrown at us. It all means nothing if we don't come out and give our best effort on our home floor um, on Monday night. Well, no, it's, it, it's true. Uh, you know, what's interesting is um, after game three, here's why it's a historic comeback. It's not just because they're the first team to come back from three games to none down. I'm just forcing a game seven is outstanding. But remember back to game three. If you didn't, I think they lost, was it 128-100? Like, it, it was not a competitive basketball game. They completely no-showed. It was almost like a player revolt against whether it's each other or the coaches or the whatever. They were awful. And they got one. And it is one of those things where you're like, I wonder why more teams can't figure it out, where it's like, it's just, just won one game. Now, look, they benefit from the fact that after winning one game in Miami, Gabe Vincent was hurt, and they returned back home, right? You're always going to be better at home. And I thought game six was the deciding game in the series. Uh, per stats guru uh, Dick Leipy, for the 148th game seven in NBA history, Boston is 26-10 and 10 all-time in game sevens, 22-5 and five at home. Miami is 6-5 in game sevens, 0-2 on the road. Three teams have forced a game seven after coming back from 0-3 deficit. All three have lost, but none of the three played the 0-3 at home. I think the interesting other element or angle to it is it feels like we're taking it a little bit easy on the heat. It's like, oh, well. And now I, I understand that they had an injury to Gabe Vincent. He's back. They haven't had Tyler Hero, but Tyler Hero didn't play with them last series either. And they had the 3-0 lead without Tyler Hero. And don't give me Victor Oladipo. Nobody expected Victor Oladipo, despite another horrific knee injury, to be a true contributor here in playoff time. Right? He just he's not the same guy. And now I don't know if he'll ever play again. But but the 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 point is, like the Golden State Warriors had a three games to one lead, three games to one lead. And remember, they were in position much like the Boston Celtics. Even though they had the lead, they weren't coming from behind. They had games, what, five and seven at home. Three games to one lead. Now, they were helped out by, uh, the, the Cavs were helped out by, one thing that nobody mentions is Andrew Bogut got hurt, I believe, in game five, didn't play in six and seven, 
and he was a rim protector, a great passer, and set some of the best legal and illegal screens in NBA history. But also it changes your rotation, changes everything about you. And then they didn't have Draymond Green when he got suspended. But but that is because they won a title, I guess, right? Because they had won 73 regular season games. What's weird is we would all admit that the regular season isn't really a predictor for the playoffs. I mean, does anybody remember who the one seed in the East was last year? The answer was the Miami Heat. Nobody, like regular season records, but apparently it matters in terms of how we view the collapse. Because make no mistake about it. You're up three games to none. Two of the Two of the three games you have lost are at home. And that's a a collapse of historic proportions, however you want to look at it. So is it a historic comeback? Yes. Is it a historic collapse? Yes. Are my expectations that the Celtics win? Sure. And by the way, this is why the NBA have a seven-game series. You know, they used to have shortened series early in the playoffs. And, of course, they have uh, the play-in tournament. But the idea is they want the best team to advance and the more games you play the more you think cream rises to the top and it is weird that we seem to be not mentioning the collapse of the heat uh, along with the comeback of the Celtics and I guess it's because of seeding but the interesting part is seeding hasn't mattered in most of the NBA playoffs The, the Lakers shouldn't have been but they were actually favored as a seven seed over the Denver Nuggets. I got more on that up, upcoming. We got NBA News. We got Rick Buecher about to join us. They say good things come to those who wait. 2023 Mercedes-Benz SUV family proves otherwise. It takes no time at all to set up a test drive at your local Mercedes-Benz dealer. Learn more at mbusa.com. I did not know that anybody had a Miami Heat flag, let alone sparklers that went with it. Then they had their own, like, victory parade. I, I would love to see a, the, the next video of what happened after that, the, that family felt, found out. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So do you guys remember when Jimmy Garoppolo, who Colin has this, uh, I don't want to say like a thing for, but kind of a thing for, right? I mean, he really likes to talk about how handsome Jimmy Garoppolo is. And he's a, he's a good-looking human being. But um, you remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was supposed to announce, they are supposed to have a press conference to announce the signing with the Raiders, and it was delayed by a couple of days. Well, turned out uh, that Garoppolo underwent surgery for his injured foot in March after signing with the team. He's yet to take the field with the new club in OTAs. And there's a new report from Pro Football Talk that highlights that his injury forced the, the Raiders to put a waiver contract, a waiver in Garoppolo's contract. It's called Addendum G. Addendum G. That sounds like a really cool either... Uh, sci-fi uh, flick. Sci-fi <laughs> flick. Right? Coming, coming in March. Addendum G. Specifically centered around that foot injury. The addendum notes that Garoppolo acknowledges that he would not be able to pass the team's physical due to the pre-existing injury. And it continues to say that Garoppolo acknowledges and assumes the risk of further injury, including permanent disability. It's, it's basically so that they can't get sued and his contract doesn't become injury guaranteed because he's carrying with him in a, in a litany of other injuries this, this injury. But look, I don't know, and I don't think most people know what Tom Brady's doing. But we can point out that Tom Brady, there's been reports of, hey, I don't know if I want to do that Fox TV deal. He's taking a year to kind of figure out what he wants to do. Meanwhile, he's buying a minority stake in the Raiders. And, of course, there was the widely, uh, uh, like the poorly kept secret, the widely held rumor, that the team that he said, I can't believe you're hanging on to that effing guy was Derek Carr and the Raiders. So, oh yeah, by the way, his former quarterback coach and offensive coordinator is the Raiders head coach and basically runs the, like the whole thing fits. What, what if Tom's not done, right? And as much as you're like, I don't know. I don't, you know, he's a preparation guy. He is. He is. But it's not like he doesn't know that offense like the back of his hand. And, oh, yeah, by the way, like, what do all, what are these great musicians or comedy acts, what do they do? They go and they set up shop in Vegas. You know? On one stage you got Britney and the other you got Brady. That's where they, that's where they go. I don't need a tour. I'll just go and do a couple months in Vegas a couple times a year for several years. What if Brady becomes the fallback position? Because they and they have Brian Hoyer there, right? Who was Brady's backup? He knows the offense, but it's the Raiders. They they want they got to win. Got to win. I mean, and then think of that division if he did come back. You got Russell Wilson. Oh, he's got to turn this thing around. Pat Mahomes, 
right now the the, the the king of the quarterback kingdom. And obviously you got Chester Herbert, who everybody thinks is one of the best, just they got to win a playoff game. But that Jimmy Garoppolo being hurt is the least surprising news 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 ever. What, Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt? I, I, these are stories that have already been written. You know, it's like, Jay Stu, you always say like, oh, that story, <clears throat> you know, that nobody in Hollywood would buy that story. This they, one, they throw it out of the room. It's a script that they would just throw uh, out of the room. Just yeah. throw it out of the room. Just throw it out of the room. Just throw it out of the room. What was the one that, that oh, was the, the, the best one was last week with the uh, Michigan Viejo Golf Pro. And you had people going like, oh, this story, it wouldn't even be made into a movie. You couldn't believe it. It was like, what are you talking about? Tim Cup actually exists. <laughs> that movie already exists. Yeah, It's and, already been made. And by the way, there's been a movie about a snail that won the Indy 500. Yes. That one passed, passed the pitch. Got, got all the way being made. So, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of different premises for movies that you're like, Far more, uh, far harder to draw the conclusion they be made. But Garoppolo being hurt, not surprising. Garoppolo not being there, not surprising. Brady being on the prowl, not surprising when you look at all these other surrounding factors. Be fascinating. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have a question for you. Uh, Jason Stewart's my producer. Um, it, it does eventually relate. It does eventually relate to the Nuggets and the streaming for why don't you guys cover the Nuggets? How come you haven't covered the Nuggets? 
You know, a lot of people think that the reason, um, for example, newspapers, right? Well, why why have newspapers failed? What do you what do you think the reason is that you can get the Orange County Register or L.A. Times or New York Post or whatever you can get it, you can get a a paper delivered to your home for like a penny for a year. Right? Newspapers are struggling. What's the number one thing that's that's hurt their revenue? Well, um, I would say the internet access to information. And the smartphone. Okay, but what on the internet? Like stories and, and websites, etc.? Correct, yep. Okay. Um, it is the internet per se, but it's not actually the stories. Newspapers made their money, a good portion of their money, not just through the ads, through the classified ads. Right? Classified ads. Uh, and the crazy thing is, it used to be, you go back... Uh, in 2000, and I saw some survey in 2002 in Australia. Okay, newspapers. Uh, the the overall money spent on total classified ads 1.6 billion dollars. Now, on any type of classified ads, it's actually 1.9 billion dollars. The difference is it's in all those websites and domains, and now in apps um, where you can you know where you can you can sell things. I mean, obviously started with eBay. And, you know, has spread. And now Facebook has their marketplace. Uh, there's, um, what's that other one that, like, really cheap stuff you can just post on there if you want to sell it? Ah, shoot, I can't even remember. Craigslist? Uh, Craigslist was an, an, an original one. But there's, there's some new ones out there now. The point is that the age-old philosophy of covering the biggest stories and biggest names, the ones that get the most eyes in radio that, that play to the widest set of the ears, is is not a dated strategy. And I, I get people, you know, I get people all the time who tell me like, "No, listen, the re-, you know, because I, I posted a tweet on Friday that here's the way it works, like the Cowboys." If anything happens with the Cowboys, you cover it. Why? They're the most popular and polarizing team in the National Football League. I didn't say most successful. The Kansas City Chiefs are way better. It's not close. But when you post something, you do a podcast, you do a show, and if it can be smart, doesn't mean you force it. More people care. And at the end of the day, it ain't about clicks, but it is about clicks. It ain't about ratings, but it is about ratings. So the, the Nuggets continue to complain and whine about, oh, you never cover us. We get it. I'll admit it. I don't know. I have a dear friend, Brandon Cristal. He does Denver radio. He's the lone exception. He and a former editor of mine, Andy Glockner, who lives in Denver, editor at ESPN.com. Okay? They, those guys, they both live in Denver. And they're like, oh, we watch all the time. Like, yeah, but the rest of the world doesn't. So when we say no one watch it, it doesn't mean no single solitary soul. But, like, let's be honest. You don't pay attention to the NBA until the Christmas Day games. Christmas Day games now are secondary games because the NFL has taken over Christmas Day. You're still worried about college football, the NFL, till we get to February. Keep in mind that, that it is true. I mean, even when Embiid didn't play a second game against Jokic, so many times these teams, they don't even play their best players. Like, nobody watches. 
And in the nobody watches, it doesn't mean not a single solitary soul, but in comparison, comparison when there is LeBron fatigue, but the LeBron numbers are always bigger. There's some Steph fatigue, but the Steph numbers are always bigger. And it's it's not that you don't have a valid complaint. And it's not that you can't use it as a motivator. Hey, nobody's hey, nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about us. Zero people are talking about us. Um But you gotta mention it once and then let it go. Right? You have to the, the real way to do it is it's like with LeBron. Remember LeBron and his uh barbershop show, which he claimed to invent and wanted to trademark it, even though it's existed for years. Anyway, LeBron said, well, like, when we came from 3-1 down, we won that series, that's when I knew I was the greatest player ever. Like, okay, look, I, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that LeBron thinks he's the greatest player ever. I don't doubt that Kobe Bryant thought he was the greatest player ever or that, LeBron, or that Michael Jordan knows he's the greatest player ever. And even though Magic Johnson claims... Kobe was the greatest Laker ever. Uh, deep inside, you ask Magic, he knows he was the, at the time, he was the greatest player. And Larry Bird's right there as well. But the, the, the reason it felt a little off-putting, the, the reason it felt a little off-putting was you gotta let other people say that about you. You don't say it about yourself. Other people say it about you. And when other people say it about you, right, it's the same thing here. Where Brendan Malone, I mean, Brendan Malone, that's his dad, I'm sorry, Mike Malone, constantly beating the drum of nobody pays attention to us. We don't get enough love. I did think this was interesting. Charles Barkley was on with Dan Patrick on Friday. He did say this about LeBron and the retirement talk. You know them fools on Esplanade were going to talk about it. On, like, they're still talking about it. You know, it's funny. I actually, Dan, I actually turned my television off the next day because... The first two blocks were all about LeBron instead of what the Denver Nuggets has accomplished. Yeah, I think he did it intentionally. He, there's no way he's retiring. I just, uh, LeBron's such a good dude, and got, he got his stuff together. I was disappointed he took the shine away from the Nuggets. Um, okay, a couple things here. What's interesting about the LeBron retirement thing was the two days previous to Game 4, there were suddenly stories, and I think it started with Windhorse saying, like, this could be it for LeBron. And that story clearly comes from his camp, which probably comes from LeBron, may come from just his camp. I don't know if it was as a deflection of the fact that they just got swept. Probably should be. You'd have to think part of it is LeBron... Trying to maintain Tim some maintain some level of power. I, I didn't for one second, not one second, believe Collins. Hey, you can trade him to the Warriors thing. Like, this is not happening. He's not leaving the city where one son plays college basketball, the other son plays high school basketball, and his daughter and wife are like, no, that's not happening. And oh yeah, by the way, the Lakers aren't going like, hey, you know, um, we have one of the two most valuable assets in the NBA, especially to our cable network, our cable channel, and to selling seats. The Clippers are opening a new arena. Like, we, we got to get people in the building. Let's give him away to the Golden State Warriors for younger play. Like, that's not happening. That's not the Laker way. They're not doing that. 
it's an impossibility. It's not even, honestly, all due respect to Colin, and I know he was just kind of echoing what he read on the ringer. It's, it's, a noth- it's a complete nothing burger. But the point is that um, I don't think LeBron did it to take away shine from the Nuggets. I do think he took it to deflect any sort of criticism over getting swept. And it's the LeBron, the age-old LeBron, I can't do it myself sort of thing. And we need more help. And the truth is he does need a bunch more help because he's 38 years old. And But it wasn't a great look. But the, neither is a good look with the Denver Nuggets. Look, every series when a team loses. When the Sixers lost in Game 7, they fired Doc Rivers. And there's all the talk of James Harden, will he return to Houston as a free agent? Wasn't there? When the Golden State Warriors lost to the L.A. Lakers, the talk wasn't about, there was a little bit about LeBron and Steph and legacies and whatever, but for the most part, it's, hey, Draymond's a free agent. What are they going to do? And the next day, they had their exit interviews, and Steve Nash was like, we're not a championship contender if not for Draymond Green. And you're like, okay, well, they're going to trade Jordan Poole. That's pretty obvious. Every one of these series, we talk about the team that loses because the team that wins, well, they have another whole other series for us to talk about. And I just like, look, Nuggets, we get it. Nobody pays attention to you. I'm guessing in Denver. I don't live in Denver. But I know enough about Denver sports to know it's Broncos, 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 Broncos. And then, you know, Avs and Nuggets and Rockies somewhere, secondary, tertiary, and even beyond. Now imagine that nationally. You've never won a championship. Your best player is a foreign-born player. The best postseason performance you had since Carmelo Anthony or even is when you were in the bubble. So why should we... There's there's no reason to throw them on this whole, like, well, they're not on national TV. They would be on that. Just so we're aware, okay? There's different parts of TV companies. But programming, all that they do, their entire job, okay, as programmers is... Um, find the best available games that they can put on their network and then find the best times to put it on their network. And the only determinant isn't what about the kids. It's what gets the most eyes. Why does the game start at 5.30? Well, it allows people on the West Coast to watch, people on the East Coast to watch. Why does the NCAA tournament championship start at 9-whatever on the West Coast? Be, like, or start at 6.30 because they're trying to get the most possible. There's a math to it. Right? You want it to be, on the East Coast, you want it to end. You know, if it's CBS, you know, they, they want it to end just into 60 minutes. Right? Like a couple minutes into 60 minutes. Then 60 minutes gets a huge, what you would call runoff. We do this in all in TV, in business, in sports, right? Whatever your whale podcast is, your whale TV show is, your whale uh, basketball NBA finals game. Like, look, ESPN and Disney, they put in all this money for the ABC ABC to get the NBA finals. So they're going to adjust the days, the game times to get the most eyes. And they do the same thing in the regular season. Nobody's out to get you. Nobody's trying to dismiss your talent. It's just simply about 
what gets the most people watching and talking. Now, there's creative and clever ways in which you can talk about some of these secondary and tertiary teams in terms of popularity, and that's you got to challenge yourself to put that in the big boy discussions. But it's not because we don't like Denver or don't respect Denver. It's just because nobody watches. Nobody cares until they care. One more herd? The herd streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. Jeff Benedict joins us. He's a best selling author, and he's done now the, would it be triumvirate? Jeff, right? You, do, you did a biography on the new one is LeBron. It's out, it's available wherever you pick up books or if you want to you know, download the audio version as well. But he's done Brady. And he's done Jeter as well. Is that triumvirate? Is that is that how you is that you're the wordsmith? How would you how would you term? I mean, see me Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, yeah. LeBron James, and Tom Brady. Is that the triumvirate? Triumvirate's an interesting word, Doug. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, um, help me out. Like part of your intense research. And by the way, uh, Jeff was kind enough to spend about a half hour, forty five minutes with me on a podcast called All Ball. Um, in which he kind of took us through all the different and fascinating looks at, for example, when LeBron um, chose Miami, what that was actually like for him emotionally. Different look at some of the stories that you think you know, just a much deeper dive. But but help me out, leading up to Game 4, a couple days before there was the, hey, this might be it for LeBron. Then there's some questions, and we know he's coming back. But help me, we you've explored this. Why would that be part of the conversation for LeBron James when previously it was all about playing with Bronny? Well, I mean, I think you have to just stick with what he said. You know, first of all, he's coming off a, a heck of a playoff run, a long run, especially for someone who's 38 years old and has played 20 seasons uh, on a team this year that started off terribly and then, you know, went much deeper than I think anyone expected them to in the playoffs. And, you know, minutes after the game is over, you start facing questions uh, about the future. And, you know, when he said, I have a lot to think about, that's a very true statement. He has more to think about than anybody else in the NBA um, because he's been the face of the league for 20 years, um, which is a huge mantle to have on your shoulders. And the, Look, it's going to be it's going to be different when LeBron's not there anymore. Just like it was different when Michael wasn't there anymore. Um, he'll leave behind a huge hole. But I don't see anybody on the horizon right now who's capable of filling that hole. And and he's got he's got so much more going on in his life because he partly because he is so much older than the average age of players in the NBA. And it, it is similar, in a sense, to when Tom Brady was facing the same decision. He was so much older. He was playing with guys whose fathers had played with Tom. Hey. And LeBron's in that same position now, where there are guys coming into the NBA who are the sons of people that he's played against. It's They're generationally different, and because they've been so good for so long, LeBron and Tom, they've built so many other facets to their life, one of which is families. You know, they they have kids now that are old enough to be getting ready to go off to college. And there just aren't many players in the NBA who have as much going on in their life as LeBron. And so 
I think that's what you saw in that press conference was him basically saying, without going too deep into it, is that I have a lot to think about. Um, I, again, like, I know you wouldn't say, like, on a personal level, you know him like his friends know him, but because you've studied it and because you've written this book, I think you have a really good sense of the person that he is. I, I, I don't think any of us dispute when he goes out, he's going to go out on a victory tour, right? Um, but does he want to play if he's not, like, what is the level of competency he feels like he needs to be able to still play? Because I think that's the hard, that was, like, Kobe, I, I mean, I, I, had, I, I had drinks with Kobe, and he was miserable his last season because he just wasn't good enough, right? Somehow he put together that 60-point yeah. game, and it was because, honestly, he had, he had signed the contract, and he said he's going to fulfill it, he said he's going to do it, and they were filming a documentary the whole time as well. Like, it was all part of posterity. But, like, in the process of it, he didn't like playing because he wasn't up to his level. What's the level that LeBron needs to be at in order to keep playing? I mean, it's a good question, and I think what it, what's really difficult for, again, I'm going to make a comparison between him and Brady, is that throughout their career, they kept their bodies tuned like Formula One race cars. Sure. You know, they, they, they did things, and they made sacrifices, personal sacrifices, to keep their bodies the way they were um, for so long, which is part of what's enabled them to be great for so much longer than the average sort of greatness run for an athlete. And LeBron's demonstrated. I mean, this year he's done it plenty of times where he showed you in game four, he's still capable of dominating. He's still capable of putting up 40 points and, and doing all these things, but he's not 24 anymore. And they're just like, Tom wasn't 24 when he was playing in his early 40s. There are physical limitations. There are certain things he can't do that he used to do. Jordan went through this. And so, I mean, LeBron's made it pretty clear he's not in it for the fun of going to the playoffs. He wants to win. Um, Tiger says the same thing. Tiger Woods, when he goes into tournaments, but he isn't really capable of winning now because his body just, he has trouble making it through four rounds physically. LeBron's not there. His, his body's in much better place than Tiger's, but I think that that's the hard calculation he has to make. The same calculation Tom had to make. It's less of a physical one and more of a mental, emotional one. Like, do you have what it takes to gear up to do this again? Because it is a grind. The NBA season is so long. It starts so early. And if you're going to make the playoffs, it's, it's almost year-round. And for LeBron, it is year-round because he trains like he's still in season. And so I think that's really the question for him is how many more times is he going to you know, lace up the shoes and go about it the way he goes about it? It's you know, clearly really close to the end. What, what would uh, – and again, I've, I've, read the, I've read the book. Thank you, by the way, for setting it for me and, and for doing that pod. But for somebody who hasn't read the book, what do you think would surprise them the most? What would surprise them the most? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's the um, it's his origin story. Um, I think, like most people who are, you know, ultra-famous, they're largely misunderstood because there's a certain sort of cocoon around them there needs to be for, for protective reasons. But I think LeBron's origin story is, is the most surprising. Uh, people think they know it, um, but they really – we really don't know it. And his 
his origin story is is more like something out of a novel. Uh, it it's one of those times where the cliche that fact is better than fiction is true. In this case, it's it's real and appropriate. Um, I think what LeBron had to go through as a as a child and as a young man um, is so unusual, and the odds were so stacked against him to get out um, that it informs a lot of who he is today. People say things about him all the time. They question everything he does, every decision he makes. But a lot of the things he does and the decisions he makes are really informed by what he went through as a young man and how he was raised. And it says a lot about why he's been with the same, uh, the girlfriend that he had in high school, who's now he's married to with, uh, as a wife with kids. The, the inner circle that he has, Rich Paul and Maverick and Randy, these are guys that he picked to be his friends when he was a teenager. A lot of these things are, I mean, these are the things that are so rare about him. Basketball stuff is easy to see because you can watch it on TV. But if you look at the things he's done in his personal life, his private life, there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of evidence there that LeBron has been really wise in picking his friends picking who he associates with and then sticking with them for the long haul. Um, it has a lot to do with why he's in the place he's in today, meaning he's so well positioned when he steps off the stage of basketball for the rest of his life. You, you know, there was some talk going back to last week about, Hey, you know, listen, you could trade him to the golden state warriors and get back a bunch in return. And, and my thought was, well, first the Lakers would never do it more than anything. Like Le- LeBron's not doing it. Bronny's going to play down the street at SC. Bryce is going to be at Campbell Hall now. Can you see can you see any possibility that he doesn't live and play in Los Angeles considering where his sons are playing? All, all I would say about that is because I I don't have any right. information on any of that, but here's what I would say is that what what people fans need to do in situations like this is Brady, there was all this speculation in New England about what Tom would do, right, at the end. Would he leave the Patriots? Would he not? You know, people couldn't fathom that he would. And what I would say here is look at the family. (laughs) These decisions at this stage of a guy's career like LeBron or Tom, the decisions are going to be driven largely by family. And so if you look at where the family is and what the family needs, that's, that's what's going to be the guiding light for the decision in the end, where someone's going to be, where they're going to play, what they're going to do. And that's what I meant when I was referring to earlier when I said he's in a different place than most players. He's almost 40 years old. He's a, he's a father and a husband with children that are growing up and venturing out into the world. The status of his family and the needs of his family, that's what's going to guide the decision more than anything. If LeBron wasn't such a family guy, I wouldn't say that. But he is a family guy, just like Tom is a family guy. And so the, the, they are, at, at a certain level, they are like the rest of us in the sense that they're husbands and dads with kids, and they have to run a household and get kids through college, and they have to do all those things too. And just like the rest of us, those decisions factor very heavily into like employment decisions, and that's how I would look at this. Jeff Benedict, who's a best-selling author of the new book, is called LeBron. You should pick it up. It's awesome. Of course, he also has the Tiger Woods biography and the Tom Brady biography. All three fantastic, fantastic reads. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Happy Memorial Day, and appreciate you joining us in the herd. Thank you. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts